What's up, everybody? It's the Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. the Power Rankings Show. I'm your host, Elliot Harrison, and I am pleased to be joined on this uh, Tuesday, this post-wild card, to, excuse me, super wild card Tuesday. With that, you're not supposed to talk in between the at and the That's all right. Marcus underscore Mosher. What's going on? Uh, not much, Elliot. We had a, a really fun, super wild card weekend, trademark, uh, that... I'm excited to talk about. I hate that name so much. So do I. <laughs> Is it going to be super divisional round weekend? Uh, yeah, so dumb. It reminded well, I I was going to make a Star Wars <clears throat> reference that you won't get, but it reminds me of um, they had the original Star Wars. They had a thing called the Death Star, and it was this big imperial base. Okay, mm-hmm. <clears throat> in the original one, like 1977, and then when they did the relaunch of the movies. Uh, the in 2015, it was called the Planet Killer. <laughs> it went from the Death Star to the Planet Death Star. Killer. Is so much cooler. Yeah, and then it's going to be an even bigger globe next time. We're going to call it the Galaxy Shifter. You know, and it's like, come on, man. Like, can we come up with something a little better than this? Uh, what's up, everybody? Sorry for the Star Wars uh, transition there, but Marcus and I have a lot of playoff games to talk about today, and uh, we're going to do a little rankings of the teams that were in the playoffs, including the losers. But uh, I wanted to see if there's anything on your football mind first before we. uh... I want to ask you this though, just off the top. What was your favorite game to watch this weekend? Well, I know what game I was looking forward to the most. And it was, I think it's the best game of the weekend, but for me personally, because of things that were going on, uh, I didn't, wasn't able to enjoy the game as much. Mm -hmm. So, the game I actually enjoyed watching the most was, believe it or not, Giants at Vikings. I I just – I like the fact that the Giants, nobody gave them any kind of chance to do anything in these playoffs. They went in there. They played 1930. They ran QB power. Did you know that in this game? Like actual legitimate QB power, like straight out of Oklahoma Sooners' 1987 playbook. Um and they went in there and they took it to Minnesota. And uh, I thought that was kind of an exciting game. And I love that at the end, instead of seeing an offense go down the field on a prevent defense, the Giants shut the door on the Vikings like right away. I thought yeah, that was that, pretty rad. I think I enjoyed the Bills-Dolphins game the most, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's a good one too. Um, Just because probably. there was so many big plays in that game. There was so much yeah. talent and speed on the field. The you had the defenses making big plays, and it was just exciting all the way throughout. I, I think that was the game I enjoyed the most. Yeah, I think the most exciting play of that game to me was what the strip sack of Josh Allen in the defensive tackle. Instead of just how many times do you see a big defensive tackle fumble the ball around and he picked it up clean, which is really hard to do when you're running and you're you're bending over and you're three hundred and thirty five pounds. Uh, to pick the ball up clean, and that was exciting. You're like, hey, man, this isn't going to be one of those deals like Seattle-San Francisco where one team hangs tough for three quarters and then the other one, you know, blows them out. Miami, I think, with that play was like, yo, we're here. You know, we're not going away, and we can win this game. And I got at that point, I thought it was 50-50 who was going to win that game after that play. I agree. I I, I know we're going to talk about Mike McDaniel in the um, some of the decisions late in that game, but I thought he did a really good job of 
keeping that game close and giving Miami a shot. It's a, just a really, really fun wild card game. Well, I'll say this for them. They were definitely ready to play uh, that, you know, and they felt like they had a chance and, you know, kind of to go back to the other game that you asked me about or, or what my favorite one was. It was so obvious that Brian Dable did not go in there with this idea like, yeah, man, we're just hoping to be competitive. We've already had a good year. Like they went in yeah. there to win the game and they took it to him. I'm going to talk about them a little bit more later. We, you know, we really don't, other than Brian Dable, we really don't talk about the Giants that much on this podcast. We really don't. We will so, be. Uh, I'm going to correct that this pod. I might spend more time on them than any team because yeah. we don't ever. Uh, let's get to the rankings. Um want to start with 14 i'm uh, again discussing the losers this is the team that not only do i think didn't play very well but i think they're in a bad spot going forward i, I don't know how you could argue that the tampa bay bucks no. would be right here they were my lowest ranked team going into the power rankings i mean going into the uh super well is this a super power rankings i, I mean it has to be right <laughs> yeah it has to be any disagreement with this, no. that Tampa, both on the way they played and what's on the immediate horizon for their offseason? No, I mean, they were the worst team going into the playoffs. and I, Played like it. They played like it. Allie, the, their future is so bleak. Let me just kind of outline it for you. It seems like Tom Brady is going to be leaving, right? Mm-hmm. They are $43 million over the cap going into free agency this year. And they've got free agents like Jamal Dean, Mike Edwards are starting safety, Anthony Nelson, a couple offensive linemen, uh, a couple de- you know depth linebackers, Levante David is one. Like This team is in real, real trouble. They don't have a lot of short area quickness to me. No. You know, we always talk about 40-yard dash. And, you know, when you talk about – like slot receivers to me, I I've always argued, you know, give, tell me what zero to 10 is, you know, um, Barry Sanders, zero to 10 was insane. Now his 40 yard dash maybe wasn't the greatest. I saw Barry Sanders get caught from behind a lot, but the Bucks don't have that short area quickness quickness. It looks like to me that Leonard Fournette has lost a little bit of a burst and he was more of a long speed guy to me. Ditto Mike Evans, a long speed guy to me. I don't see a lot of real quickness off the line with him. And uh, Chris Godwin, I don't know if he's been banged up just too much. Looked like he got banged up again, maybe fell on the ball or something last night. He didn't look quick. Am I am I overrating this or do you see the same thing? No, they look, they look slow on offense, really slow. Uh, you know, they did get some nice plays from the rookie tight end this year. You know, they do have uh, some good young players. Uh, Wurfs did a nice job uh, last night. Demarcus Lawrence was about the only Cowboys defensive player who really didn't have impact plays. Um, but I think they're in a bad spot. At number 13, this is kind of another mixture. These are all really unique rankings for different reasons. Sure. Uh, Baltimore Ravens. Now, if we were basing this on the way they played this weekend, the Ravens deserve to be much, much higher than this. But when you've got... Uh, I don't want to say a star running back, but a very integral player on your team coming out after the game. So we would have won with this player. You've got Lamar Jackson not traveling with the team and probably, I don't want to say probably, but a good chance he's not going to be on the team next year. Um, That's not the way you want to go in the offseason. And then the other thing is when you have a game that you really, I thought it was 60-40 Baltimore was going to win when they were driving their Marcus 
and then it just completely turned. Uh, this is not a good way to head into the off season. No, but at the same time, I don't know if you were supposed to win that game, right? You're playing against the AFC representative from last year. You're playing on the road, and you hung with them with a backup quarterback dealing with a shoulder injury. Like, I think I actually come out of this game feeling a little bit optimistic. Like, hey, if we can bring back Lamar Jackson next year, we get Rashad Bateman back from injury, we can play with any team in the AFC. If you get Lamar Jackson if back, you get who, Lamar didn't tra- who didn't travel with the team, and a lot of people are speculating on why he didn't play. I just want to say that I have no problem with him not playing uh, with his injury. I just want to point out, it was laughable to me. And I still have not seen one person in the media bring this up, not a single one. Everyone was talking about, oh, man, you don't want to see what happened to Lamar Jackson or like what happened to RG3. Mm-hmm. Hey, what about Tyler Huntley? Tyler Huntley was out there playing with a a shoulder injury, probably shouldn't have been playing. And where's the, where are people feeling for him? Why, why does nobody say that? Why is it just because Lamar is a big star and Tyler Huntley isn't that, Hey, let's just throw our mid grade players to the wolves. Who cares if they suffer permanent damage? And if somebody wants to come at me and say, yeah, well, knee is different. No, it's not because I have seen multiple quarterbacks, careers ruined by playing with a bad shoulder. I'm going to name some of them. Don Mikowski played for Green Bay. If you don't know who that is, it's a guy that threw for 4,300 yards and like 30 touchdowns for the Packers. He injured his shoulder. He came back. He injured it again, playing hurt. And you know who took over for him? Brett Favre. Don Mikowski never injures that shoulder, Marcus, and plays hurt. Brett Favre never gets on the field because Don Mikowski was good. Um uh, Jim Miller was another guy that played hurt, took the Bears to the playoffs. Uh, another guy, uh, probably a more famous example, would be Chad Pennington, who had shoulder injuries multiple times and played with them. Am I saying anything out of turn here? This really fired me up. I was like, what is no, it about I'm, star players? We want to protect them, but we don't want to protect Tyler Huntley. I think it's fair. Um, it, I'm not sure the severity of Tyler Huntley's injury. Maybe it wasn't all that bad, and the Ravens didn't feel like – he could further injure it, but it's certainly worth mentioning. I don't think we protect either players like him or shoulder injuries. And this is coming from someone, me, who's had shoulder injury. Um, it's it's a tough deal, and it can get worse on you if you don't do the right things. Um, either way, if the running back is going to come out after the game and say, we would have won with Lamar Jackson, how about somebody else in that locker room saying, hey, you know what? I appreciate the fact that Tyler went out there and played hurt for us, you know, yeah. just a thought. Um, okay. Off the, uh, what's that? The uh, soapbox so done. Yeah. Um, Seattle Seahawks are number 12 for me. Admittedly, I would say they are the, they and the bucks are the weakest teams in this sure. group. Um, I thought they played well for three quarters, but I think they have somewhat of a bright future. I think the real question mark is, are we seeing a quarterback who has turned the corner in it, you know, as a veteran here, uh, or are we seeing a quarterback that's going to be like Derek Anderson, who has a great year, gets a contract and then regresses back to the mean or even below the mean. I, we'll I'm see. betting on Geno Smith being good. So am I. Um, I think if you're a Seahawks fan, even though you lost, you come out of that game really proud of your team, right? They didn't get shown up. Right, They weren't blown off the field. Yes, they lost by double digits and whatever, but they competed their butts off against maybe the best team in the NFL. 
and they had an awesome season. Um, I, I just think you have to be really happy with with what your team did this season. Any change in your opinion on Pete Carroll's coach of the year? No, I think he should be mentioned, but I don't think he's going to win it because your guy, Brian Dable. Uh, listen, he's our guy. Our guy, Brian Dable, is going to get it. I love Brian Dable. I had him number two. I'd still give Pete Carroll uh, that award this year. Uh, Number 11, I have the Chargers. Could have dropped them lower here. The only reason why the Chargers are, quote, this high is because their quarterback situation is settled. If you look at Tampa Bay, certainly not settled, right? Baltimore, certainly not settled. Seattle, not settled. Uh, Geno Smith, but we didn't mention it, but Geno Smith could sign with another team. Uh, we only mentioned that maybe he could regress. Uh, but Justin Herbert, very much settled, very much still a star. A lot of questions about the head coach right now. Yeah, and I had major questions all year about the offensive coordinator. Um, Joe Lombardi just didn't allow Justin Herbert to throw the ball down the middle of the field, down the sidelines enough, and ultimately cost him his job. Uh, the Chargers relieved him of his duties today. It's smart, right? You've got this window with Justin Herbert. You've got to get somebody who is imaginative that can open up this offense. And it was just clear he wasn't it. So I think this is a necessary move that the Chargers needed to make to, to advance further in the playoffs next year. I'd love to be able to say that, boy, the Chargers just got unlucky again. But when you keep getting unlucky, you got to start looking at things, you know, yeah. and – the Chargers charging is just not a good enough explanation for me. <laughs> do you like um, it? Do you like Frank Wright back in uh, back with the Chargers as the OC? I think he could get a lot out of Austin Eckler, even though Austin Eckler had a great year this year. I think you could get even more there. Um, I think Eckler's a heck of a player, um, and Herbert. Uh, I think the key though for the Chargers, man, is you've got to stay healthy. And no more playing guys hurt in week two. Yeah, it's not Take worth the it. L. You'll be you'll be happy later in the year. Uh, okay, number and there's no guarantee you're going to lose with backups. Uh, at number ten, I've got the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings are getting piled on pretty hard right now, and I get it. Uh, they lost a one score game that they've been winning all year. People thought they got lucky. Okay. And and I'm by no means a Vikings fan. It's not like Minnesota got beat 40 to 10 here. You know, no, no. they had a chance at the end of the game. This game could have gone either way. Um, I also we talk about quarterback. I think the quarterback uh, question was answered this year with the Vikings. If there was any Kirk Cousins, I thought was very good this year. I thought he was good to the, playoff game as well. I, he's going to yeah. get a lot of or a lot of uh, criticism for that final play. There's not a lot that he could have done with the route combination, with the guys just getting beat up front. Like it's it's a fun play to make fun of on Twitter or whatever, but he really made the only throw that he could. Not to mention when you're getting it out to an outlet receiver like that, a lot of the the thinking is, hey, that guy can beat the other guy. In other words, you can break a tackle. Uh, it was a good defensive play. It was a solid tackle. It's a lot. It reminds me a lot of uh, Super Bowl thirty four, Marcus, the Kevin Dyson play. That's a good play. That slant to Dyson's a good play. You don't, you're not banking on Mike Jones making such a clean tackle right there to tackle him at the one. So I wouldn't, you know, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think that that Kirk Cousins takes a little bit of undue criticism. Uh, anyway, the Vikings are my tenth ranked team at number nine. I have this is my highest ranked loser of the week. It's the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. 
Uh, I thought they did a great job getting ready to play. I did not like some of the in-game decisions by Mike McDaniel. I will admit, I think Mike McDaniel's a little bit of a darling with the kind of analytics Twitter crowd. I do think he deserves criticism at times, um, but he got his guys ready to play. If you're looking for an example of a spot, what I'm talking about, he had Skylar Thompson throwing on third and 19 from what, maybe his own 10 yard line. Yeah. And he threw an interception, Yeah, you know, run a draw play, punt the ball. Your defense has been making a lot of plays. I thought that was a major tactical error. Uh, but uh, you, you, again, the Dolphins with their third string quarterback really made it a heck of a game. They're going to be fine long-term, right? I think they have the right coach in place. I think you will get some stability at quarterback last year. Like we saw it in Tua this year when Tua played, he was awesome, and this Dolphins team was really good outside of a few games, but uh, just a bad season for them in terms of the injury luck stuff. So I think, again, if you're a Dolphins fan, you got to be feeling really good going into next year. Yeah, I think the credit Mike McDaniel deserves with Tua is that Tua looked better than he had at any point in his career yeah. this year with him. My criticism there would be I don't think Tua should have been back playing on the field, um, but that's – you know, neither here nor there. That's already passed. Overall, I think a successful season for Mike McDaniel. What did they go? Nine and eight this year? Nine and eight. Yep. Yeah. And then took it to the Bills, uh, a, a game that they lost pretty handily, what, about a month ago, maybe five weeks ago on a Saturday night. Um, they they played much better this time around. Um, okay. At number eight, I have the lowest ranked winner, but this is in by no means disrespect to this team, the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. I love their game plan. I love the way they played. What an offensive game plan. There were receivers running wide open in this game. And I don't give Daniel Jones a lot of credit for that. I mean, he made the throws um, that he needed to make, um, but his guys were wide open. But what I do give him a ton of credit for is just grit, man. Like I said, they're running QB power. If you saw some of Daniel Jones runs in this game, he lowered his shoulder and was like, this is the playoffs. I'm getting everything I can. If Slayton doesn't drop that ball late in the game, Daniel Jones has almost 400 yards passing and 100 yards rushing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I, I'm actually going to give even more credit to their defense, right? You look at their back seven, and it's a bunch of guys that were cast off from other teams, some low-level free agents, some rookies. Worked at medieval times this offseason. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but their front four was so dominant in this game, and it was the, really the reason why they won it. Little bit of 2000, what's it, 2011, 2012 yep. Giants fives mm-hmm. from this team. Where if that front four is going to dominate like that, they can go as far as they need to. Agreed. And swinging back to the Kirk Cousins pass play or the, the check down, well, that's why he had to check down yeah. because they were getting pocket push. And when you get pocket push from your defensive uh, middle, the way the Giants do, it's totally different for a quarterback than, say, having a Micah Parsons screaming off the edge. Right. Nothing wrong with a Max Crosby or or Which Bosa they also have, or, though. They, they have right. now with Kayvon Thibodeau. But when you have two right. guys in the middle of right. your defensive line that are winning their matchups, it's really hard to, to, to do much there. I'm just saying that as good as much as I like Crosby and Parsons and Bosa, when you have a guy like Aaron Donald that's blowing up the guard – right in the quarterback's face, it's actually harder than yeah. having guys coming off the edge. And the Giants have that right now. Uh, Leonard Williams played a really good game uh, against Minnesota, yeah. man. Uh, my goodness. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know really what more to say there about the Giants, but like I said, I think we've overlooked them this year. Maybe they lose this week against Philadelphia, but I don't think you're going to see a repeat of that game in New York in early December where the Eagles just went ran all over them. Um, I think the Giants are going to come to play just like Miami did this weekend. And, and you know how division games can go, man. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, number seven, I've got the Jacksonville Jags. Kind of would want to do them as a package deal with number six, but I would love to see these two teams play. I think it'd be entertaining. But the Jags, uh, and I'm referring to, well, we'll get to my number 16, but the Jags won the other night. And even though they had to come back and you might think it was a little bit fluky or whatever, that is a tremendous amount of poise from your defensive coordinator, your head coach, and your quarterback. Stop the bleeding right on defense. Uh, head coach telling Trevor Lawrence essentially like, hey, forget about it. You know, we you had a couple interceptions. Let's go. And then Trevor Lawrence making plays at the end of the game. Um, I think the Jags deserve a ton of credit. What I love about Jacksonville is they can play a lot of different styles and win games. So like they played the Cowboys in December and they beat them in a high scoring game. They played the Jets on a Thursday. They beat the Jets in a low-scoring, ugly game. They played the Texans on the road in a game that they were favored to win, and they completely blew them out. They played the Titans the following week in a win-and-get-in game, and that was kind of a special teams defensive game, and they mm-hmm. won. And then they, they got behind in this game, and they needed to put everything on Trevor Lawrence's shoulders after he played awful in the first half, and he does it. So – it's not to say that they're going to beat Kansas City or whatever, but they are one of these teams that's very malleable, right? They can kind of change and shift a little bit depending on the opponent that bodes well for them going through the rest of the playoffs. I really like the use of the word malleable. Did Was that on your SAT? Um, no, I think it was the right word of the day on the calendar today. Oh, yeah? It wasn't <laughs> permeable? Okay. Um, going back to the Titans game, you know, they were playing the bully in their division. And it was a game that they admittedly didn't play their best ball in, you know, and, Mm -hmm. but they found a way to win. And those are the kinds of games that the Jags of the, from really the year 2000 on have not found ways to win those kind of games. And so it was a big one. Now the number six team are the Dallas Cowboys. And I said, it'd be really neat to see the Jags and Cowboys play because I think it'd be a really exciting game. Uh, They played an exciting game a little over a month ago. I put the Cowboys over the Jags, even though the Jags beat them, because the Jags, that game was at home in Jacksonville. I think on a neutral field, Dallas is a slightly better team based on the way they played uh, last night. It was also a little fluky going back to that game with some of the interceptions that happened, but it doesn't matter. Um, I think that was the best complete game that I've seen the Cowboys play all season. Like The offensive line played great. Dak was phenomenal. The pass rush was getting after it, and you had guys in the secondary making plays. If they play like that against San Francisco, they're going to have a real chance to win that game, even on short rest, even going on the road. They'll have a chance. Yeah, excuse me. I told Marcus last night, my MVPs of the Cowboy game are the offensive line and the secondary. I thought the secondary played one of their best games of the year. Uh, for the Cowboys and it's a depleted secondary you know I wasn't expecting them to play that well so maybe I say that because I'd set the bar kind of low yeah but the offensive line if you look at Dak's first touchdown pass to Dalton Schultz on that seam route Dak could have baked a cake back there it was awesome and, and if they play that way against the 49ers 
they can compete. Um, that's a big if. That's a really big if. Um, and Dak, when he had the time to throw, like he did last night, he made the throws. Yep. And I, I said this about Daniel Jones. Cowboys receivers were running wild. So it wasn't that Dak made all these amazing throws or Daniel Jones made all these amazing throws, but they didn't miss anybody. That's the thing where every time you have an opportunity, you take it. You don't need to make amazing throws to have a great game. You just take what the defense gives you and then pinpoint passing. You're going to win the game, right? Um, My only drawback to this game, as I told you offline, is I felt like there was a little chest thumping from ownership in the press box and the owner's box, a little bit from the quarterback on the first drive. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> this, this can't be the goal, you know, like this can't be your Super Bowl. You know, if they come out flat with the 49ers because, Hey, we got the monkey off our back. We want a road playoff game. That's going to be really disappointing. I agree. The, the expectation should be higher than just winning one playoff game. Uh, against an eight and nine team, but at the same time, did, did I tell you? Did I tell you? Playoff. It's hard we to win it. playoff games, so it's it. it's a long season. Enjoy the wins that you have, but gotta have a, a you know a, a short memory, right? Like what they did last night doesn't matter today. You just gotta get ready for San Francisco. We're gonna let this good memory only hang temporarily, just till uh, Sunday go. morning, and then uh, we're back at it. Uh, all right. Um, Number five, I've got the Cincinnati Bengals. I thought of the top-tier teams they played the worst this weekend. Um, Baltimore took it to them. Yeah, they did. And I don't know – look, great defensive play on the Tyler Huntley play, but if that ball doesn't bounce right into the defensive lineman's hands, you know, I don't know that this game goes the way that it does. And I, I keep saying this, and every time I see the play, it's even worse. How does NFL officiating call these ticky tack roughing the passer calls. And then when Mark Andrews so clearly gets clipped at the 25 yard line, chasing down, who was it? Was it a Hubbard? Who was, who had the, uh, yeah. How do you not make that call? I I get it. It was just a little pat, but when you're running full speed, Marcus, if I just pat you on the back, you're going to fall over. That is a clip. You know, I, that was a huge play because Cincinnati isn't guaranteed that they're going to get in the end zone. If they had the ball at the, you call it from the spot of the foul, right? At the spot of the foul is yes. at 25. Now Cincinnati has the ball at the 35. Any guarantee Cincinnati scores no. a touchdown from no. the 35? Field goal no. is probably the most likely outcome, but yeah. I fortunately we just kind of know how this works. When when an interception or a turnover or a fumble happens like that, kind of all bets are off, and the officials tend to let things go unless it's absolutely egregious. I think you can make an argument that was egregious. Because if, look, if Mark Andrews, I didn't think he could make the tackle, that'd be one thing. I, once Mark Andrews passed the 50, I was like, oh, he's getting him. He's, he's, he's going to get him by, you know, around the 15. Um, I do think that was a touchdown saving clip. Um, so that's why I was all for, I'm not for ticky tack penalties. That to me is not the definition of ticky tack. That sure. said, the Bengals got the win give their defense credit for the goal line stand uh, to make that play happen and their defense tightening up uh, in the late fourth quarter. Okay. No Joe Burrow comments from you? No, I don't think this was his best game. I think he did enough to help them win. I expect him to play even better against Buffalo next week. Yeah, I do too. So speaking of Buffalo, they are my number four team. 
Buffalo escaped against Miami. That's the game Marcus was talking about was the best game uh, of the playoffs. Are you worried about the Bills given the way that game played out? No, because that's a divisional game with a lot of speed. And Miami's kind of built their roster to to hang with Buffalo. No, I think I, I actually think they match up very well against Cincinnati. Yeah, it should be a heck of a game. Um boy, the Josh Allen turnovers though, they do they are concerning because he's done that a few times this year. You know, uh the Minnesota game comes to mind, right? Didn't he throw two red zone interceptions yes. in that game? Yeah. Patrick Peterson, I know, had one of them. Um, but I, I'm just going to be consistent, like what I've been saying with Dak all year. I can live with turnovers if you're making it up by making big plays the rest of the game, right? Like if you have one or two bad plays and it results in a turnover, it's fine. But with the way Josh Allen plays and how much value he adds with his arm and with his legs, it's just not a huge deal for me. Oh, well, I'm, it's a good thing Dak didn't turn the ball over because we would have heard about that. Till, I mean, I heard so much about Dak and turnovers. On the, the, I, I just I the think turnovers talk. can be a tad overrated if you're able to bake up for it on a consistent basis, right? Like Patrick Mahomes had some turnovers early in this year, and it didn't really matter because if you're scoring 34 points a game, who cares? Yeah. Uh, number three are the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Um, I've moved them up. Thought about moving them up to two, and I couldn't do it in good conscience uh, because I'm still a little concerned about that defense. I'm not concerned. It's not like it's a big worry in my life, but it's it makes me think the Chiefs may not be able to win the Super Bowl, but I moved them up because they're rested. And quite frankly, Buffalo and Cincinnati, who I thought were better than them, didn't really play their best football games this weekend. No, and it helps that you don't have to play either of those two teams in round two, right? Like you're going to play a young Jacksonville team at home while you're rested. It's, it's lining up pretty well with for Kansas City right now. Kansas City beat Jacksonville earlier this year. In fact, they got a touchdown pass to a guy that just joined the team um, mm-hmm. in that game. But that was one of those games that if you only saw like the highlights on NBC or whatever, they're just kind of like, ah, Kansas City keeps rolling. That was not like a Kansas City dominant performance uh, against the Jags. And it, it I wasn't. This- no, Kansas City ended up winning by double digits. But it was the final outcome was still in question late in the fourth quarter. Yes. And the Jags are a better team, I think, frankly, now than they were then. So we might be in store for a really good game, but – Patrick Mahomes deserves to be the MVP of the league this year. He's played like it. And if if he and Travis Kelsey get going, they're an unstoppable combination. They can mm-hmm. beat anybody. Uh, at number two, I have the San Francisco 49ers. And I put the 49ers here because I, I leapfrogged them over Kansas City. Because How can you they not? look they look so good. But the thing with me is not even that they look good, it's that they're relatively healthy. I mean, having Debo and Elijah Mitchell just gives them – they don't have to put the wear and tear on Christian McCaffrey. They can uh, split the carries up. They can use McCaffrey more in roles that they'd like to use him in. And Debo just looked – I mean, his uh, touchdown on that – the little pass play to the side, he got a couple blocks. Man, did he hit top gear or what? And, and you didn't even mention defense, but like they got Javon Kinlaw back, who is now mm-hmm. coming off the bench. He's a six foot six, three hundred and twenty pound defensive tackle that can move like crazy, and it just pushes the rest of these guys down in the, the rotation. 
It's just a really, really good team. The only weakness they have is they have a seventh-round pick at quarterback who's playing absolutely out of his mind right now. So it's not even a weakness. He's actually adding value to their offense. It's crazy how good this team is. He he did start slow against Seattle, and it was it was tough. I thought Seattle deserves a lot of credit for that. Frankly, they played an A game, Seattle, the first half. Um, but in the third quarter, Brock Purdy just really picked it up. And um, I think the real secret with him, and I hope it doesn't bite him in the butt, is his pocket mobility is excellent. He's not a runner, but he can move. There was that. Yeah, there was that one throw to Ayuk that Ayuk dropped in the end zone. And I was kind of like, oh, Purdy, you might just want to throw this one out of bounds and call it a day. He ended up throwing a dart, like I said, to Ayuk, and Ayuk dropped it. But uh, yeah. I hope I hope Purdy is able, and this is hard for, what is he, 22 years old? Yeah, to, 23, yep. Yeah, to understand like, hey, sometimes I just need to live to play another down. I don't, even though I can buy time and I can make something happen, just uh, just let it go. Let it fly out of bounds. That would be my only thought there, but 49ers look great. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles, that leaves them as number one. If you pressed me right now with the 49ers have beaten the Eagles this weekend, I would have said the 49ers would have beaten the Eagles this weekend. Sure. But they didn't play this weekend. And Philadelphia had another week to get healthy, and that includes their quarterback, Jalen Hurts. I gave Philadelphia and Kansas City an advantage in the rankings this week because they had that week to get their team healthy. I think it's really important. You talk about the importance of getting the top seed all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm just not ready to say, yeah, the 49ers are clearly better when the 49ers have not had a week off. They have guys coming back from injury that look good, whereas Philadelphia has been able to get that key rest. Yeah, I think Philly should still be the favorite in the NFC. All, the play, I, The road to the Super Bowl goes through Philadelphia. I think until we see something different, you have to keep them at number one. Do you think the Giants are going to give them a game this week, or do you think it's going to be more like the early December game? I wouldn't be shocked to see Philly look a little, not flat, but just rusty in the first quarter. But I think by the third and fourth quarter, the talent is just it's going to win out. It's just so drastic how much better the roster is for Philadelphia. And I think that crowd is going to be so loud. I, I think we'll get to this later in the week, but I, I do think Philly's going to win by double digits here. You don't think they're going to look malleable, do you? No. Okay. No. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. Good word, though. <laughs> All right, so what did I screw up here in the rankings? Nothing, I think we're good. I think I I think this is a pretty good list. I, the team that, for me, that's in the worst situation is Tampa Bay by far. Like, if you could put it, Tampa in their own tier, I, I would put it there, but... I think the thing for me is there's a couple teams that lost this weekend that should be feeling really good about their squads kind of going into the offseason. Number one, Seattle, just because of yes. how the year went, all the draft capital that they have, the free agent money that they can spend, the ways that their rookies played. Just really excited about the future for the Seahawks. Yeah, I, I, that's a classic case, I think, of if you just saw the score – you don't realize how well this team played for three quarters. And yep. um, it was it was something else. Uh, my final thought for our podcast, just is just to go back over a couple of these teams. I was pretty hard on Cincinnati. I was a little bit hard on Dallas, the way they were celebrating. I think Cincinnati and Dallas are still very good teams. Um, you know, Cincinnati, I think, can play better than this. And I do trust Joe Burrow. And going back to Dallas, 
Look, you know, I get it. It's it's such an exhale, and I don't want Cowboy fans to be furious with me. I, it's it's an exhale for this team that has not had any playoff success. But if you're if you're just gloating over a wild card win, you've got to understand there's a lot of business, you know, sure. to to take care of here. And you know, and I would say ditto the Giants too. You know, the Giants got a big road win. They're probably not going to get any farther. They've already had a successful season, but you know. Uh, division opponents can be had. We've seen that, you know, uh, Miami almost did it. Baltimore yeah. almost did it. Seattle did it for three quarters. Kind of remarkable, by the way, how many division matchups we had uh, mm-hmm. this weekend. We didn't even talk about that. Um, I hope the Giants can come out and give the same kind of effort. Um, we will give our picks, by the way, on these games on Thursday this week, not on Wednesday. So make sure you check that out. But with all that, I give you the final word. I was just looking today at the 2020 playoffs, like in the NFC um, and the quarterbacks that were playing. Then it was Tom Brady against Drew Brees. It was Aaron Rodgers against Matt Stafford. And then you look at the playoffs this year in the NFC and actually just in the NFL in general. Did you know that Dak Prescott is the oldest quarterback left in the NFL playoffs? He's 29 years old. It's officially a new generation uh, we have in the NFL with so many young quarterbacks, I think Mahomes is the oldest quarterback in the AFC playoffs left. He's 26. Uh, we've got Daniel Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts, and Brock Purdy all making their second career playoff starts this week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Man, if you had to pick one of these kind of unheralded quarterbacks, so let's leave the Mahomes and the, and the Burrows and the Allens and the Dax out of it. One of these lesser kind of guys – um, what do you, whatever you want to call them, third tier kind of guys, sure. the teeners. Um, who's the one that you think could make the biggest shocking uh, impact this week? I think it's Brock Purdy for me. Yeah, I, I mean, I He's think just that's in a better a good situation, answer. right? Like, yeah, if he has another one of these games where it's three hundred yards and three touchdowns and no turnovers, and he just lights up Dallas's defense. Like we're just going to be having a different conversation about Purdy, right? Yeah, you know who I'm going to say, right? It's Daniel Jones for you. Which, listen, if Daniel Jones goes into Philadelphia and plays well and beats the Eagles, now we're talking, right? Now we're talking about not Daniel Jones no longer a tier three quarterback, Elliot. Yeah, here's I warned you guys it'd be a lot of Giants talk this week, kind of making up for what 180 podcasts, but. uh the reason I say what's that? I think we're at 178. Oh, okay. The reason I say this on Daniel Jones is when you have a quarterback, kind of like Josh Allen, I, I know he's not the same guy as Josh Allen, but when you have a quarterback who's willing to run the ball like that and put his, you know, lower his shoulder and say, I'm going to do everything to win this game. And that quarterback has the size and speed that he does. Absolutely it makes the defense have to play completely differently, right? Like you, you know, it makes everything better. Uh, and I get it. Daniel Jones is probably the worst passer left, right? In the postseason. But when you play like that, and then we didn't even mention Saquon. We didn't even mention how good he was against the Vikings. Now you have receivers running wide open. And the, and the third tier quarterbacks, as you might call them, even those guys, Marcus, you give them all day in the NFL to throw and an open receiver, they're hitting it. You know, there are very few quarterbacks in the NFL that don't hit those 
receivers. And so uh, I just wonder, I, I really wonder, but I'm not going to make a prediction on that game. Like I said, we're doing that on Thursday um, this week. And um, once again, I should say too, we really appreciate you guys listening to us all season. Uh, we've Our listenership has grown and we're really proud of that. And um, even if Marcus doesn't want to work sometimes, he appreciates it too. We haven't pulled a football card in a really long time. Um, we're we're going we're gonna to aim to change that, I think, on Thursday. Yeah. And a uh, big shout out to my Uncle Buddy, um, who passed away this week. Huge Cowboys fan, my Uncle Buddy. A lot of my learning about pro football was watching um, uh, Cowboy games in the den with my Uncle Buddy. And um, I just hope that that uh, he's not up there thinking about Danny White, because that might draw his ire. And he needs to understand he's in heaven now and <laughs> got to let it go. <laughs> Um, and also a shout out to my podcast partner's father, who, uh, was a big cowboy fan and, uh, you know, pretty, pretty cool to, to have, uh, your dad's team win, huh? It's always great. That's, uh, it would have been a little bit cooler if he was here to watch it with me, but I think at the same time, this is, you know, just a big win. So I'm excited. You guys should all know, by the way, that Marcus has like major football watching parties so if you think that he's like really dialed in, he kind of is, but he is just as dialed into the, uh, how do you say it? The charcuterie board? Charcuterie board. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the steaks. Uh, how many people did you have for the uh, Cowboy game yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a small one. That's a small one. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Marcus is living high on the hog up there in upstate Pennsylvania. <laughs> no, it's just, listen, it's, there's not a lot to do where I'm from. So the only thing that you can do is get together and watch football games. And it makes it a lot of fun. I would just like to say too, I know y'all have had to listen to Marcus's whining the whole year about, you know, I'm just done with football in the last two weeks. This man has gotten to see Pittsburgh eliminated Aaron Rodgers eliminated and don't underestimate how much he was rooting for. Yeah, these that's things. true. And the Cowboys win their first road game in 30 years. I don't know what I did to deserve all this uh, good <laughs> good news and good – cheese. The only thing that did not go his way is that Daniel Jones and the Giants. Yes, Daniel Jones did ruin it a little bit for Marcus because he really wanted Minnesota to win that game. I uh, did. We'll I don't about. want no part of San Fran. Well, that's, what a, yeah. it's a terrible matchup for Dallas, but yeah. I don't care. We're, we're having fun. We'll talk about that on Thursday, as we said. And uh, yeah, so we will talk to you guys then. We really appreciate y'all. As always, Marcus can be found uh, hosting Locked On Cowboys with Landon McCool. And in the playoffs, Landon's turned over a new leaf. He's going to start promoting our podcast, except not at all. Marcus also covers the Raiders for USA Today, which he will be on Tom Brady Watch from tomorrow forward. Already now. Yeah, yeah, right. He also writes for PFF.com. That's Pro Football Focus. I am at Harrison. NFL on Twitter, and we will talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take care, everybody.